Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds, and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. Today's cool fact of the day is that we just found a bacteria that's the first ever that can infect something just by touching it instead of by reacting to chemical signals, which is how most bacteria do. They sort of have this little dance they do. Because this thing can get into you just through contact, uh, it's called Pseudomonas aeruginosa. And I probably said that very, very poorly because I'm not trained in Latin or Greek, wherever that name came from. But it can infect humans, plants, animals, and surfaces, which makes them much more diverse than other pathogens. And since it doesn't respond well to antibiotics, it's something you don't want to get infected with. Is this useful knowledge? No, not really. Just that we found something out about bacteria that we didn't know ever in all of history. But you're really not going to be able to avoid it because you can't see bacteria. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Today's guest is a friend and a trained herbalist and a fermentationist who has a background in studying microbiology. She's actually studied at the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and designed this thing called the Gut Rebuilding Program, which is what she used to fix her own gut. Uh, if you've listened to Bulletproof Radio for a while, you know that I also spent a lot of time working on my own gut. I've taken pig whipworm eggs. I've spent probably $50,000 on probiotics in the last uh, 15 or 20 years. It's been kind of a ridiculous thing. And I've reached a, a state of stable gut, which is ridiculously cool to not be able to clear the room all the time inadvertently and things like that. And uh, speaking of such subjects, let me just introduce Summer Bach. Summer, that was the worst introduction ever. But hey, I just talked about farting and then I introduced you. So that's, that's what happens when my brain's at full capacity. But anyway, Summer, my good friend, welcome to Bulletproof Radio. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. I have so many things that I actually want to talk about today. So it's going to be fun. One of the things that I knew we'd talk about, which we're already talking about, is poop. Because at the end of the day, let's face it, that's what happens when you digest food and when your bacteria are broken, when you're eating the wrong foods or maybe not enough fermented foods or maybe more specifically the wrong fermented foods even or foods fermented wrong, 
weird stuff happens and you kind of notice it there first. Uh, tell me a little bit about your story though. Like you have the microbiology background, but you became a fermentationist and you had a lot of problems with your own gut. So tell me about the problems you had and let's talk about how you hack them and then what other people can do to make their gut work better. Yeah, totally. So, well, let's see, I'm trying to think where to start exactly. Cause as you know, the stories are so interconnected. Um, you know, for me, I just really, there was a time in my life when I was super sick. I guess that's the place to like zoom into. I was suffering from multiple chemical sensitivity. I was only able to eat about 20 or 30 foods without having a reaction. Um, I had hives. I was waking up in the middle of the night with panic attacks. And um, I was allergic to a ton of stuff, like the environmental allergies. I re and I really, I remember this distinct moment one day. I was in college. Uh, I was doing pre-med. And I was standing on the corner there, like waiting for the bus. And I watched all of this like yellow pollen drift through the air. <laughs> and my you know, nose is running, my eyes are swelling up. My whole body is just freaking out. And it just, it hit me. I was like, wait a minute, I should not be allergic to the world that I was born into. Like this just doesn't make any sense, yeah. right? And that was the moment when I made a very clear decision that I was gonna cure myself of all of my allergies. And at that point, I mean, I was even having allergic reactions to my cat, you know? And so I, I was not well. It was a moment to moment, um, just uh, honestly like suffering. And so I really relate to people who are in that place who just have tried everything and I did. And so I ended up at my doctor's office again, you know, I'd gone, I'd done a ton of stuff, you know, naturopathic doctors, uh, allergy clearing, chiropractors, I had done various kinds of testing and everything was helping kind of a little bit, but um, it, it really wasn't helping all the way. So I end up at my doctor's office, totally panicked, you know, like I'm getting worse. And she's like, no, you're, you know, you're a healthy something, you're a healthy 20 something, you know, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, th this is not healthy. This is not at all what I would consider to be healthy. And she looked at me and she goes, I just don't understand what you're doing here you know more about this than I do. And I was just like, wait, what are you talking about? But at the same time, like, it's true. Like I was seeing her patients. I was working with them as an herbalist and as a health coach, um, helping them with, you know, their lifestyle changes. They needed to be healthier. It's just that I was a really complicated case. And, you know, I guess I just had to go through a lot of trials to get to where I am today. And, you know, she looked at me and she was like, here's the thing. I'm going to write you a prescription. You're not going to fill it. I don't think it's going to do anything anyway. So what are you doing here? And I left her office that day, like on the verge of breakdown. Cause I was just like, my last resort has just, you know, cut the cord. All right. <laughs> so, um, I, that's the point where I, I got really serious about what I was doing. And that was also the point where I decided to just take my health a hundred percent in my own hands. Like I let go of that safety net, that kind of like, Oh, someone's going to save me <laughs> kind of feeling. And at that moment, I was like, nope, I'm going to figure this out. You know, I'm going to cure myself of my allergies. I'm going to figure this out, whatever it takes. And that journey led me um, on, you know, I was taking a bunch of different herbs because I was trained as an herbalist. And I'm like, you know, taking stuff for my liver, for my skin, my adrenals, like every organ system. And I stopped doing it all. And I, you know, I did some research and discovered that, you know, I really needed to focus on my gut. I was taking probiotics and that helped a ton. But it wasn't until I really asked myself the question, like, what is the whole food version of probiotics? What did my ancestors take to get these probiotics in their gut? And that's, that was a really pivotal moment for me. I started making and eating the right kinds of fermented foods and was able to get myself much further along on the journey very, very quickly. So, so fermented foods helped a lot and you started taking probiotics and you started to notice a, a change. So there, there's a lot of people who, who've done this, uh, but there's also people who do fermented foods and they, they don't tolerate them, they, they don't do so well, they take probiotics. And I tried one experiment where probiotics made me gain 10 pounds in a week. Like, oops, I guess the species kind of matters and the environment they're going into and, and everything else, it, it's pretty darn complex. So how did you go from that to not just being an herbalist but to being a fermentationist, like how do you actually become, is that like a self-described title or is self -described. that? Self-described, right. yes, it is. And I certify people as fermentationists. So 
Um, you know, basically, I've really done a lot of work on studying the microbiology of fermented foods and looking at fermented foods as medicine. So we really look at, you know, um, you know, anything from like miso to kefir to sauerkraut and really go in there and look at the science, you know, really want to uncover what is the present day information that we have to attribute like the traditional results that people get from these foods. And we steer a little bit clear of like alcohol and things like that. We just kind of focus on fermented foods as medicine. What about like pepperoni? That's a, that's a fermented food. Yeah, I mean, there are, you know, we don't re uh, go too much in the realm of meats just because they're mostly cured. There is lactic acid that's created by bacteria on the outside that helps it to cure and it sort of ferments, but there's not like a probiotic content worth talking about in those. It, it's interesting. I, I've always been a little suspicious because the stuff that grows on meat seems like it might want to grow on you. And, and I know absolutely that some of the things that grow on dry aged beef, for instance, are really pathogenic, even though it's you know, supposed to be okay. I really steer clear of the dry aging process. I've had some that's clean, but more often than not, like there's stuff in there that does not belong in meat. And I would recommend actually not having fermented or long dry aged meat. Like like let it let the animal bleed out, cool it down for a day or two, and then freeze it, and it's going to be really fresh. Um, well, can I say something about yeah, that? Yeah, please do. So, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of histamines when it comes to meat. Yeah. Like when you're dealing with that, and I had severe histamine intolerance. And do you that still, was or you did? No, I did. It's gone. Okay. It's gone, and that was like so. I healed my well. I did a lot of gut healing. I did a lot of what I call like really building up my bioterrain, getting a ton of minerals and vitamins started to actually absorb my food. And I did a lot of that work with fermented foods. And then I went through a period where I couldn't touch them. I was so reactive to fermented foods for a while and I just had to stay totally away. So that's one of those things where I've gotten a, a like personal understanding of, you know, cured meats and how they can really affect you. They're adding a lot of, a lot more work for the body when you eat them. Yeah, there, there's a biological burden. Like every food has, it does something to be broken down. And it's broken down by the bacteria in your gut and then they make byproducts from that. And then it's broken down by your body and that makes byproducts. So, so the, the idea that, that every food has like stuff that goes in and stuff that goes out in the process of getting energy from it. And I think a lot of people don't consider that it's a two-step thing. But it's like, oh, it's either good or it's bad, but like it's some of both. What do, what, when you have a healthy bacteria balance in your gut, what do the bacteria do for you uh, that, that makes it so you have to do less of breaking things down in, in your own gut? Well, I mean, they have cellulase, which is an enzyme that we do not produce. So they're breaking down the cellulose in vegetables and really unlocking a matrix of vitamins and nutrients that otherwise really wouldn't be accessible to us. You know, we are really wimpy when it comes to digestion when you look at you know all kinds of animals we have a wimpy wimpy digestive tract and you know our two to three pounds of bacteria that are living in our gut hopefully and hopefully the right ones they're basically you know taking our digestion to a new level and then as they're fermenting and uh, digesting more of our food they're creating not just you know unlocking the vitamins they're actually creating vitamins on site that you absorb like B and K. And then they're also, you know, producing short chain fatty acids. So you're just, you know, really getting a lot of energy right there from these bacteria. It's pretty amazing. I think a lot of people don't know that, that even if you're eating some types of foods that don't have fat in them, you're actually powered by fat because the bacteria turn them into fat. So that's one more argument in, in my estimation against the, the zero fat or near zero fat diet extremism um, that came to, to dominate like the 70s and early 80s and still exists in some corners of the internet. Um, that, that type of, of thinking sort of avoids the fact that no, your body really, it does use fat as a primary fuel source. Even if you don't eat fat, there's mechanisms in nature to make fat. Uh, so that, that why wouldn't we be able to just absorb fat directly? Um, there's also those studies that say that when you eat fat, even the same kind of fat that is made by bacteria in the gut, when you eat it, it has a different effect when you eat it than when you make it naturally and that you might want to be doing both. Have you seen anything about that? No, that's that I, I haven't. I mean, you know, I really look at kind of, you know, 
I, I look at like, what did my ancestors do? That's a big question that I ask myself, how did they do it? So I'm always trying to figure out, you know, if, if they had a lot of good bacteria in their gut and that's how they absorbed their fatty acids, I'm going to lean a little bit more towards that. Well, my, my ancestors were at least partly cannibal because I'm 4.5% Neanderthal. Do I need to worry? <laughs> Just kidding. Actually, they, I don't know if Neanderthals are cannibal, but I am 4.5% Neanderthal. See the ridge on my forehead? Very nice, very nice. <laughs> but uh, uh, I'm just giving you a hard time because I always laugh. Like some of my ancestors probably did really dumb things, and it's surprising that they survived enough to pass their genes on to me, um, along yeah. with the predilection for doing crazy things. Well, we're lucky. I mean, we live in a time where we can look at science as well, you know. Yeah. And then, but I think what they had that we don't have is just a, a deeper understanding of trusting their bodies. I think that's the piece yeah. that we're really missing, and and they had less stress. You know, and honestly, like the kind of culmination of my story really has a lot to do with you looking at stress. You know, I mean, when it came to healing my body, I did a lot of this stuff to rebuild my gut. And then in order to get to the place where I didn't have any more food allergies and I, you know, was able to, I mean, I can eat anything I want right now. I, I you know, I, I eat what I want. I eat what makes me feel good, but I'm not having reactions to it, which is, phenomenal. But the thing that really did that was learning how to manage my stress. Like I, since I was born, I think I was born into the world in this really stressful environment. And I, I've never known anything different than that until recently. Well, now I, I've got to learn more about this. I eat what I want. Is this like the four hour work week where like, oh, it's not work. I just do a lot of it every week, but it's only four hours that counts. Like, or did you like hack what you want? So like, I really don't want that pizza. Instead, I want what makes me feel good, which is like the gluten-free pizza with like whatever, like no cheese and like stuff. Uh, well, you, you know what I mean? Like, like, do you really eat what you want? You're like, you know, I feel like eating at McDonald's right now. I'm just going to go do it. Because I hear people like that. And I'm like, yes, you're under 25 and you're taking it out of yourself at both ends and you don't know it. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, like, what does that mean when you say I eat what I want? Or are you like, I choose foods that make me really healthy and I want those and you know, like that. It's both. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's both, you know, like I am really susceptible to sugar addiction. That's like both. I got my, uh, some genetic testing done and it came back and it said you, uh, so I don't know the exact terminology, but it was along the lines of you will go to excessive lengths to, to satisfy your food desires. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I will actually. I mean, I think about how many miles in new cities I've driven across to go to the Whole Foods to get some sort of like organic chocolate, yada, yada, raw bar. You're like the classic test case for women, food, and desire. Uh, <laughs> Alex Jameson's new uh, new book that just came out. Um, yeah, she's a good friend. Yeah, we, we're, she's one of both of us, but it just kind of, you made me laugh. Like you're, you're a test case. I, I, <laughs> like I desire food, I will have it. And yeah, by the way, I'm the same way. Like, like if it's really, really good, clean chocolate, like it's worth going there. You're not going to just like yeah. eat whatever, like, Sorry, the, the mass market chocolate is mostly crappy. It's just not worth it. Yeah, well, when I was able to start eating gluten and, and cheese and dairy again, you know, I was really disappointed, honestly. I, I, I tried a bunch of different things. I even tried crystal hamburgers. Do you know what that is? All right, I was like, you tried crystal? I thought you meant meth. I was like, what? This is not that kind of a show. What's up with this? <laughs> it's summer. Jeez. Uh, yeah, no, I tried crystal hamburgers. And, um, you know, it's it's really funny. I think that... I like good food. I like food that tastes good. And so much of the gluten out there doesn't taste good. It just doesn't. I mean, I will eat a really good piece of baked bread at the restaurant down the street. It's called Il Primo. I'm not trying to plug like this little tiny restaurant, but it's this Italian place and their bread is phenomenal. But I just don't want to waste my time on really anything else. And I don't mean that in like some sort of snobby way. I just mean, I know what a lifetime of eating that will do. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose wisely. So, so just because you can eat gluten now, like you don't react to it the way you used to, I mean, right. is that a wise choice? Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna eat a lot of it. I will from time to time. I'm just relieved to be relaxed around food for the first time, and I think that's part of my motto yeah. is being relaxed around food and not having a panic attack like right before I eat, like I used to. I mean, I would have anxiety. I'd go out to eat with friends. I would take two bites. I would wait 20 minutes until I to see whether I was gonna have a reaction or not. And then I would probably usually be, if I didn't, I would be eating the food in the to-go box, like in the car on the way home. So, so at this point, people are like, okay, yeah, summer is probably a little bit crazy and neurotic, but here's the deal. Yeah. If you have food sensitivities, it's actually like that. And I don't know what percentage of Americans have them, but I would guess it's probably around 50%. They just don't know it. 
and occasionally they eat stuff and then they're total jerks or they're really tired or they have a headache or migraines or psoriasis or hives or they just you know, sleep 12 hours and snore and, and all sorts of weird stuff that's tied to these sensitivities and you just, you just don't know until you realize, oh, in my case, I would eat bread on Friday night and it would make me a zombie on Monday, but I was fine on Saturday and Sunday. So having a lag like that, it, unless you're really good at event correlation, which is what we call it in the tech space, you're not going to see this. You could do an elimination diet and you'll see it really, really easily. And that's why a lot of programs, I think, uh, Summer, you probably talked about eliminating some foods for some amount of time. Uh, the Bulletproof diet is like, get rid of all the suspect foods. Just do it for a couple of weeks. And just when you eat them again, they'll knock you out. But this kind of thing, when you have awareness of this, you're like, I like to feel good. And you go out to a restaurant and you know there's a 70% chance that when you eat that stuff, it's going to knock you on your ass potentially for a day or two and you're going to have sore joints and like your muscles are going to cramp up or you're just going to be a zombie. It actually is a rational response to say, I'm a little bit fearful of this. I'd rather have control of my food. And part of this is restaurants are completely cutting corners. I know I, I run a restaurant now, the Bulletproof Coffee Shop in, in Santa Monica. Like, like it's a constant struggle with suppliers to like get what we want. Like, no, I actually want it done right. Like, no, we, we want the good quality stuff, not the cheap stuff because it's just endemic in our supply chain. So I think a lot of that's rational. But just for people listening, if what Summer said uh, about, you know, I would take a couple bites and see what it's going to do to me. Actually, there's a lot of people where they have no idea what the food they just ate for lunch does to them. But their whole afternoon is wasted at work because of what their food did to them without their knowledge. So yep, I don't know, yeah. get, off, get off my soapbox. But anyway, like that's just so important. I appreciate it. I mean, I appreciate the validation. And I, I think like when you're in it, you feel like you're crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Straight up. You're just like, I'm losing my mind. And I, like I said, I went to my doctor and she's like, you're healthy. Mm -mm. That's not health. I mean, what I experienced today is, is much healthier, you know. Um, but you still have sugar cravings, right? Well, I do. I mean, I'm still, I, yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. I do still have sugar cravings. So maybe if you didn't have occasional gluten, those would get better. Like, I don't it's have possible. sugar cravings. Like, that's just not, it's not a part of my existence anymore. But I also, I, I can tolerate gluten. Uh, but I think that the long-term uh, uh, autoimmune effects of, of having gluten occasionally outweigh any possible benefit. So I just don't do it. Um, plus, when you're a pretty good, you're a pretty good cook too. You know, when you're not a cook, you don't really need to use gluten in most dishes. But there will never be a gluten-free croissant. Sorry, like you're just yeah, screw. exactly. Yeah. No, yeah, I went for 14 years without touching gluten yeah. at all, and mm -hmm. so I got a little bit relaxed around it and took some, you know, just took some time to have the full body experience and be like, what is it? What is it like? You yeah. know, what is it like on the other side? That's healthy. It, it's been it's been interesting, but I think, like I said, like. The one thing that I've really learned, and this is the part like of my healing journey that I've been able to like reflect back to my clients, because I, I have like these um, weekly um, group video conference calls with all my clients like together. And something I've really started saying at the beginning of each one, I'm like, listen, guys, what in your life are you not handling? You know, I mean, to the point where like I already know my topic for next or for this coming week is going to be, is your house clean? And I know that sounds kind of like maybe far away from the concept of rebuilding your gut and healing your body. But we're talking about people who are so stressed out that if they could actually get their house clean and their whole life handled, really, really handled, without being perfectionist on top of all of this, you're talking about like a healthy human mind. And the more I do this work, the more I see how much of this stems from the mind. And how, you know, I don't mean it's in your head. I just mean the way you live, the way you believe, the way your relationships are, they really set you up for how sick you might end up, you know, in a stressful situation. It's also pretty annoying because these bacteria in your gut, yeah. if you are stressed, they pick up your stress and they make more toxins, right? You don't get a good night's sleep, they increase the amount of toxin that they make. You are stressed, they make more lipopolysaccharide, right? So even if you have, quote, good bacteria, in your gut, if your life isn't good, the bacteria in your gut won't make the best things they can make. Uh, how do you coach people on that, that weird environmental thing? Like the environment for the, the bacteria in your gut, yeah, you gotta eat the right food, that's a part of it, but there's other things. How do you coach them around the other things, that, the epigenetic factors, the, the environment around you that changes your gut bacteria? Because even if you take the right probiotics, you eat the right foods for them to eat and things that you're not sensitive to, if your life is crap, because you're stressed all the time and you have basically software problems you need to deal with, 
um, that the bacteria aren't going to work. Like, how do you tell when it's you're eating the wrong stuff, you're taking the wrong probiotics versus like you're a miserable person and you need some therapy? Like, like what do you do with a, with a client? Like, how do you walk them through that thought process? Yeah, well, I, I have a one of the steps that we all go through in the program is called emotional detox, and I teach people what it looks like to let emotions leave your body. So if that's happening, you don't stop it and try to like make them go back inside. You actually allow them to keep coming out. So you're and telling I'll, boys to cry? I'm telling boys to cry without <laughs> love, man. Tears. No. no <laughs> Just like the best. Um, yeah, I like watch football sometimes, and when they cry, I'm like, yes. Okay, so anyway, um, yeah, like crying, laughing, uh, teeth chattering, like being afraid, sweating, um, you know, yawning is actually one of my favorites. I say that's one of the most powerful ones because when you yawn, people might think you're tired, but once you come up with a good one, like a few good one-liners about it where you're like, oh, you know, I'm just waking up, you know, things like that. You can yawn in like public situations and get rid of some like, ten- like tension, some fear, some anxiety, some terror even. But um, yawning is yeah. like a kind of a dominant thing among chimpanzees, isn't it? Or is it? I, I know in, with dogs, when you yawn, you're, you're reassuring them. But I think with chimpanzees, like it's some sort of a challenge. Like they hump your leg when you're done. I, I don't remember what it is, but I'm pretty sure like as primates, yawning does something neurologically bad to the people around you. So you're telling us like overcome that with humor. So all right, I, I could buy that. Yeah, I, I think it's helpful. So, I mean, just knowing that emotions have to come out and not get stuffed, that's important because that helps you make better decisions. Just, just don't do it in the ape house or, you know, that's just Just don't go to the zoo and do it. <laughs> exactly. Um, I just read this really amazing quote today. Um, so, the decisions of our past are the architects of our present. Um, oh, who's that? Who, what quote is that? I read it in the, a cheesy Dan Brown novel. Interesting. I, I've heard it. I've heard that somewhere, but maybe it was. I, I have too. I, I, I have no idea where, and that's just where I picked it up and wrote it down. But I love this. Like the decisions of our past are the architects of our present. So really, I mean, when I'm talking to people about, you know, them being sick and what they need to do in their lives, you're like at minimum, at minimum 10,000 decisions away from like being healthier and like seeing the effects of that. Right. And yeah. so you have to understand that like the decisions you're making right now, you're not really going to see the results of those until on down the road. Like where you're at right now is based on all the decisions you made your entire life, every single one. So knowing that that arms you a little bit better in the present moment. And I think, you know, this other sort of saying, I have all these mottos that I kind of live by, but I really think that the more brains in the situation, the better. So the more people you have thinking with you and strategizing and, maybe calling you out in a nice way or helping to stretch you or, or even just being there, you know, for whatever, to just listen to you. The more brains you have, the, I think the better decisions you make and the better you eat, the better decisions you're going to make, you know? So you, you talk about something interesting about trusting your sense of taste and smell. Um, talk to me about that. I have, I have a couple of stories I want to ask you about, but um, what, what does that mean? I mean, it sounds kind of obvious, but like, give me the next level. Well, it's complex really because... You know, when you're, you know, you're eating crystal hamburgers every day and junk food and Cheetos and Dr. Pepper and Mountain Dew and Taco Bell, just trying to think of all the things I used to eat when I was younger. You love that stuff and your taste buds want that and your sense of smell wants that. And it, it, it dawned on me one day when I was in the subway in New York City. And well, subway, I was, sub, subway sandwiches or subway like riding the subway? I was walking down into the like belly of the dark oh, okay, right. hot subway in the summer in New York City in Manhattan and it was gross and it smelled really bad and I was really hungry and I had celery <laughs> and I'm like you know and there's this man sitting on the bench eating a hot dog covered in chili and cheese and onions and relish and it smelled kind of amazing in this way like it didn't smell like something I wanted in my body but I got it in that moment I was like oh you have to eat this food that kind of like overwhelms your senses to cut through all the rest of the, like whatever it is, the noise, you know? And that's when I have that like realization that, it, it, you know, you can be in an unhealthy place and listen to your taste buds and listen to your sense of smell. And it's probably going to keep driving you towards some of the unhealthy foods. So you have to, you have to get your nutrient levels back up and heal your body in order to really trust those. That's what I was going to say. Like if you trust your sense of taste and smell, you're going to probably end up at Pizza Hut. Like, 
that tastes pretty good, at least in, until you've really taught yourself what real food tastes like. And then actually, if I was to eat that, really bad fats don't taste good anymore. When you eat something, like, blah. And it, it's very interesting as a parent. My kids, and I think all of us uh, by extension, but, but my kids, just as an example, they know when something isn't quite right in food and they don't want to eat it. And as parents, like, shut up and eat. Like, you know, I use more kind kid language than that, but it's like, well, no, like this is what we're having for dinner, and if you don't eat it, you're going to be hungry. Like, shocking, uh, because I'm not making you something else. But I've learned over time that when they take a food they normally like, and they're like, no, tonight I'm just not eating it, that if I eat it, I usually feel like crap later then too, and it's because, well, it probably wasn't as fresh as we thought it was, or I, I don't know. Sometimes it's like everyone who eats, it's like, you know, the kids are cranky, and I'm like, uh, just like, I don't feel great. Like, I should feel a food high after the meal, and I'm feeling kind of zombified. And I've learned too that if you listen to not necessarily your sense of taste and smell, but they actually, those are plugged into your, your fight or flight response, your autonomic nervous system. And your body will tell you perfectly well when you look and smell and sense the food before you even put it in your mouth, whether you ought to be eating that or not. And it's entirely possible to train yourself to know. And I still routinely will be like, you know, I probably don't want to be eating that. Because every single thing you put on your plate, it's either going to make you stronger, it's going to hold you where you are, it's going to make you weaker. In some, all of them have some good, all of them have some bad. And it's different for different people at different times of the day, at different phases of life, at different times of the month. There's all sorts of variables that are in there. But your body's wired to know this. And when you say trust your sense of taste and smell, I don't, I, I don't interpret that as, oh, if it smells good, go ahead and eat it. Because you can hack that so easily with food chemistry. But it's if your taste and smell goes to you and if, if your body is like, yeah, eat that, like that's going to be really good. Or if there's a subtle like, I want it, but it's not right. Then if you can listen to that voice, which is quieter than the eat it now voice, there's a lot of value in that. And that guides a lot of, a lot of my intuition around, you know, just not going to do that versus, oh, you know, I think that I'm going to be all right on, on that one, you know, extremely hacked wine. And I, I'm pretty much, will tell you flat out, red wine isn't good for you. It's just not. <laughs> and I know people don't like to hear that, and I could talk about all the many reasons. That said, it's enjoyable. And different bottles of wine have a profoundly different effect on how you feel, and most people who drink know some wine gives you a headache, some doesn't. But it's a little bit more nuanced than that when you start really paying attention. But your gut will tell you if you're listening. And how much of that's bacterial versus how much of that's you, I don't even know. Do you? I think a lot of it is bacterial. I actually so. think that we're like, um, you know, we're like what is it, a little marionette, and I think they're the puppet master because you know if you have candida or some other organism living in your gut that you don't really want proliferating there, you know, you can make a decision to not eat sugar or whatever, and 24 hours later be standing at the freezer shoveling it in your mouth. Like, you know, your brain said no, and you like. And I've had this happen. It was like a personal story where I was like three bites in and I was just like, wait a minute, what am I doing? Well, that, that happens to a lot of people that, that you can't eat just one. Uh, like, well, yeah, it's kind of designed that way. And it's talking certainly to the yeast there. Can you explain the mechanism? Like, how does yeast do that? Like, how does it cause a food craving? And I think it's really fascinating. Well, I mean, it's really the gut brain axis. Like you are, they're communicating using chemicals that actually like, trigger your central nervous system and tell you what to eat. And I'm not exactly sure on a scientific level, like that's not my area of expertise of understanding like what, you know, what are the actual chemicals that are being sent and, and what is it triggering in the brain and are they sending like a little pictorial of like, I want ice cream or is it like saccharides that they're able to trigger? I'm not sure on those details. Well, some of the research for the Bulletproof Diet, I, I really, okay. I dug in on this because it, it's fascinating and, and it really drove me crazy. I used to have really bad candida, especially if you live in a house with toxic mold. And most listeners know that I just did the documentary Moldy and go to moldymovie.com and, and look at that. But it's like, okay, this is what mold in the environment does because mold in the environment talks to the bacteria in your body, including in your gut, in your eyes, in your sinuses, and it changes what it does. It makes it think it's under attack from the mold, so it forms biofilms and it becomes more aggressive and it forms this chemical called lipopolysaccharide, or LPS, you'll see it read as. And what's interesting, when you wanna make a bacteria, or a mold for that matter, make more toxin, you stress it. And you can stress it through light, dark cycles, by shaking it, by heating it up, by cooling it down, and basically by messing with it. So happy bacteria sort of sits there and does its thing, or you can basically make it uncomfortable, and it responds with 
basically the equivalent of you waking up on the wrong side of the bed. If what's in your gut wakes up on the wrong side of the bed, it wakes up with a wave of toxins. Or it gets hungry. And when it gets hungry, it gets stressed. When it gets stressed, it dumps LPS. When LPS hits you, your liver tries to detox it. When your liver can't detox it enough, then the LPS affects your brain and your nervous system and you feel like crap. And you feel like crap and you're like, oh my God, I need sugar. And the reason that you need sugar is that your liver uses glucose from your blood to detox LPS. So what it's doing is it's dumping more toxin than you can oxidize. So your body's like, give me sugar so I can deal with this toxin, please. And that is a really nasty situation because if you eat the sugar, you feed the bacteria so it stops making poison, so then you feel better and you're hostage. And it's not like marionette, it's more like they're in the cockpit with a gun to your head. And that's why, like, you shouldn't trust those little bastards living in your gut. That's why I'm a little suspicious of you fermentation this summer because you're like, oh, just eat fermented food, oh, you'll be fine. I'm like, no, those little bastards, you, you you need to vet them, you need to know who they are, what they are, what their intentions are, and you need to set up the environment so they have no choice but to serve you, otherwise they'll take over. Like, they're mean little hackers. Yeah, but you're not growing candida when you make sauerkraut. So you sure hope not. I've seen some interesting scum on the top of my sauerkraut. I mean, do you measure what's on the top of your sauerkraut? How do well, you know? Do you see that white thing back there in, in the corner? That's my, um, that's one of the crocs that this woman made. I don't know if you can see it. I can see that. it. Yeah. It, it's a dark croc though, right? It's not, it's not clear. Yeah. It's oh, like a yeah, stone. Yeah. It's, cool. it's stone. It's, cool. um, it's actually um, porcelain and it has a moat around the top. So it creates an airlock which is really, I've gotten to the point where I just really promote making fermented veggies with an airlock. Like, it's just better. <laughs> but, but how do you know what was on the veggies when you tossed them in there? This has always been one of my problems. Uh, and well, I'm not know, opposed to fermented yeah. food. I think it works for a ton of people, but I know so many people who just get knocked out by it. Well, and that's the histamine. Mm-hmm. And so that's, the, that's sort of the difference. And okay, and that also has to do with how long you ferment it. So I get this. When I was histamine intolerant, it didn't matter how long it had been fermented. I couldn't touch it. And I had to get rid of that before I could eat it again. Um, but what's, the, what was the secret to getting rid of histamine intolerance? Because I know me, there's millions of uh, people interested in that because they're on antihistamines, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it's kind of, I don't know. I just, you know, it's a little bit odd, but I went on a low microbe diet. Oh, so you, you eliminated the bad stuff in your gut. Okay. Low microbe diet. I eliminated diet. all bacterial sources. So meat. I wasn't eating any meat. I wasn't eating any eggs. Like I went, I did this for like two months and I just let things settle. So what did you eat that wasn't a bacterial source? Mostly fruit and vegetables. No, sorry. No fruit. Mostly vegetables, a little bit of fruit, um, and some fats. And that's about it. But, like but it vegetables are covered in bacteria, right? Or were you cooking them all like steaming everything or something? They're, they're, they are covered in bacteria, but comparative, it's a very, very low amount. I mean, compared to what's in your gut, compared to even, you know, what's on meat, compared to what your um, hydrochloric acid can kill. Mm-hmm. It's very, very minimal. And so that's kind of what happens when you take cabbage or any kind of vegetables that you're going to lacto-ferment and you chop them up. Sure, there might be some random bacteria growing on there, but they're in such small amounts. And then as soon as the lactic acid starts being produced, and it's, it's a very quick cycle, that acidity prevents these other organisms from growing. So in the end, you end up with a ton of lactobacillus and leuconostoc. Those are the main two different um, genuses of bacteria that you end up with. And hopefully, if you've done it right and you've fermented it long enough, I generally tell people to ferment it for at least three weeks, you end up with the lactobacillus plantarum, which actually helps to break down histamine. It's uh, it, it's really interesting when you dig in on those different species, and I, I wrote a post a while back about why yogurt can make you fat and foggy, and, and how you know some of the species that are that are even put in commercial probiotics uh, form nitrosamines in the gut, uh, or they form histamine in the gut, and and these amines basically these are the ammonia that comes off when you have protein, and there's protein in everything, so you always get some protein. But if you have the wrong stuff growing in your gut or even too much of the right stuff, there's an imbalance. It can actually take any source of protein and break it into these things that mess with you. And I think that's one of the reasons, for instance, pork, something that I'm a huge proponent of, of basically pork fat from carefully fed pork, essentially bacon, pork belly. But most of the time, if you get pork that isn't done right, pork has amino acids that very quickly break down to really bad things in the gut. Right, so it's it's a very tough thing. You're like, okay, was the pork clean and was the gut clean? You put them together, you're like, wow, that tasted amazing and I feel amazing. But if the pork was not so good, you get this breakdown of these amino acids 
in the gut. You get tyramine and putrescine and things like that that are formed by the bacteria that might even be good for you depending on if you ate something else. So that's- depressing. Well, that's really freaking complex. And so <laughs> now there's someone sitting in their car, they're, they're working in their office right now and they're going, I feel overwhelmed. Like, I, I think maybe I'll just eat pizza because the bacteria yeah. can eat that. So how do you boil all this interestingness down into like an actionable thing? So you're like, okay, I, I, I know I react poorly to some foods. So I want to make the bacteria in my gut happy. So like, I, should I just eat some sauerkraut to be done with it? But I think most people tried that and I didn't do anything. It's like, like, Let me what's try to sum up my yeah. life's work. Yeah, in 30 <laughs> seconds, that'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, so basically, you know, let's just start with this. There are the three main causes of having the wrong bacteria in the gut are antibiotics, stress, and nutrient-deficient foods, so not having enough nutrients in your body. And really, the antibiotics and the nutrient-deficient foods are like kindling and lighter fluid, and they're just hanging out, creating a hugely flammable environment, but they're not really going to activate on their own. But then when you add stress, which is like a match, a lit match, that's when it explodes. And for me, that's when I see people's issues really go out of whack. And this is where people get to live in denial for a long time. Oh, you know, I've been eating junk food my whole life and nothing's ever happened to me. You know, that's why, because they haven't, you know, hit the deadly trifecta, as I like to call it. And um, then, then really from that point, you have to look at, okay, how do you reverse those? Well, we know that every time you take antibiotics, it gets that much harder to get your native flora back. So every single time you take them. So those of you who've taken them for years. Like, like me, you, I took them for about 15 years once a month. So you know this. Oh, yeah. I've lived most of the stuff you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I look at it in terms of this whole concept of bioterrain. Like, how do you create the, like, you know, when I, I say, given the right environment, the body knows how to heal itself. And this is where my herbalist training comes in. Like, I am, I, you know, I, I kind of bounce back and forth between these worlds of, you know, like, biohacking and tradition. And, like, how do, you know, how do we, like, really balance these two things? So I've, I've, I've really gotten it down to about three main steps. One is increasing nutrient-dense nutrient foods. And fermented foods are actually nutrient-dense foods. It's one of their attributes. But some people can't handle those. That's okay. You can still increase nutrient-dense foods. And then the second one is really detoxifying the body on all levels. I think that's huge. I think when you get toxicity out of the body, all of the organs function better. They do what they're supposed to. And when you get the pH of all of your organ, your digestive organs running properly, that in itself is an antibiotic quality. Like it will help kill various kinds of bacteria. Because if you have the right pH in your small intestine, you know, you won't have SIBO. If you have the right pH in your stomach, you're not going to have like H. pylori or, you know, whatever else is growing there. And if you have the right, you know, acidity in the stomach, you're also going to help trigger a big dump from the gallbladder into the small intestine to help get the pH, you know, alkaline again, so that all the starches can now be digested um, there in the small intestine. And so this pH all the way down and like really in the colon as well, where most of these bacteria are growing, it's key for that pH to be right. And so that's where I'm this like traditionalist. I really think that cleansing and detoxing is a great way. That's how I healed my body. You know, I really focus on that 60 days of, you know, basically no microbes except for the ones that came in on the veggies. And it was hard. I'll admit it. It was like the hardest two months of my life food wise. Um, Were you ever a, a raw vegan? Um, I was sort of raw vegan during that time. Okay. Like that was I, sort of the healing diet I used, but I, I wasn't trying to be a raw vegan, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I, I was a raw vegan for a lot, for a lot longer than a, a couple of months. I, I think it was almost a year. Um, but yeah, it's it's a big change uh, to to eat only raw vegetables like that, and and uh, no people sugar. like people like Dave. Oh, certainly no sugar. Although no if you care. had some fruit, you were getting some sugar. But, I was only doing lemon juice. Okay, that that doesn't really count. That's high high on the bulletproof. Diet I did pretty much. I probably did like twenty five grams of sugar a day. Max. Yeah. So you're you're totally totally fine on something like that. But it's it's kind of weird because people are like, well, Dave's against the vegan diet. I'm like, actually, I'm not. Like, I speak at the largest vegan conference the last couple of years at David Wolf's conference, and like, Dave's a friend, uh, and I have a lot in common with vegans because the, the food purity and the detoxing and the ecological implications of what I eat, I, they matter to me. Uh, and I'm a huge fan of, if you want to be a vegan for a month, 
you want to do it for two months, uh, especially if you're going to be a raw vegan, it's probably going to be good for you. Like that's a good detox. But if you try to do that for a year, like you are not going to like your life when you're done with it and like your teeth are going to break and it's just not going to end well for you. So like it's totally cool to do that. And that's a, a form of cleansing. And I know that that I think most cleanses like, oh, I'm going to have like 500 grams of sugar every day as part of my cleanse. But as long as I'm not chewing, I'm cleansing myself. Like there's bizarre stuff out there. But oh, you're, you're one of the more sane cleansing people I know. So like what, what's a cleanse mean to you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a cleanse, I mean, actually, there's some similarity between the Bulletproof diet and the way that I teach people to cleanse. I, I, you know, my goal is to have them eat. The only difference is I have them eat a lower fat content and lower protein content and during their cleanse. During a cleanse, I, that, that makes great sense. And, and the yeah. type of fat really matters, too. I, like, I would exactly. be like, on a cleanse, if you want to avoid dairy, who cares? It's a cleanse. Like, like it doesn't matter. I think people, I, I call it building your cleanse muscle. I think people should take that time, like, I say generally like two weeks, twice a year is a general, you know, totally made up guideline. <laughs> um, but it, it helps you practice this process. And so generally I have people do something similar to kind of what I talked about. Like ideally it's mostly vegetables. Um, I have people do a lot of juice and um, smoothies because it's going to help increase digestibility. That's a big part of it. That's why you can't be raw vegan forever because you're going to lose your digestive fire over time. You need like a hell of a big blender. I, I have like the biggest blender ever made. It's this one gallon like Hercules blender thing made by wearing and, and it sounds like a car starting. But even with that, you're not going to win as a raw vegan. No matter what yeah. you do to your food with a blender, you can't win. I tried. <laughs> Drew, I really lost it when I saw for sale and I'm not going to name any names. But when they had the jaw strengtheners for sale because you were just blending all of your food and you weren't chewing anymore and you were losing like your mental abilities because you part of chewing actually stimulates the brain. And there's these like jaw exercises, kind of like guitar finger exercises. And I was like, okay, this is too far. Oh my God. You know, I, I was thinking of just feeding myself through IVs just because it would oh be more God. convenient. Like, you know, Soylent Plus we were going to, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but but well, like there there are problems. I agree with you there. Yeah, totally. It it goes crazy. But let me. Um, I want to make sure I get the last one. The last kind of step of you know rebuilding the bio terrain, which is using herbs and some supplements if necessary um, to help support the natural systems of the body. Again, I really believe the body can heal. But here's one of my mottos. I have all these little mottos that I made up, and I tell my clients to keep them kind of on track with this. But you don't get to decide the order in which your body heals. So I like my favorite example is one of my clients who went to her doctor after doing gut rebuilding and all of this. And she, um, he like reduced her lung meds and she was so mad. <laughs> she was like, why, why are you reducing my lung meds? I want my, like, I want to lose weight. And I want my gut to be better. And I was like, you don't get to decide the order in which your body heals. This is actually awesome. Like this is an amazing moment of celebration. And she got it after we kind of talked about it for a minute. It, it sounds kind of weird, but I, it's a, a parable that I've heard from multiple professionals over the years of, of talking with people in, in my own path. It's like you heal from, jeez, uh, I'm going to forget it. It was something like from the, the inside out. Like basically, you, you want to lose fat, you want your skin to look really good, like you better get the inside uh, going on. And that if, if you want to like just make your skin look good, you can prop it up artificially. There's all kinds of you know, skincare products and, and things you can do. But that if you get it right on the inside, it, it's going to work. And the converse is true as well, which is, you know, illness starts from the inside out. And I would make that go for people who aren't sick at all. But weakness starts from the inside out. So, like, if you want to kick more ass, you need the inner stuff working. And by the time you can see it, then it's probably pretty far along and you aren't as strong as you think you are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay, I want to say one more thing about taste buds and smell. We just kind of go yeah. back to that for one second because... One thing that, um, this is something you recommended, and um, I just wanted to bring it up because it's really cool, is the whole heart math thing. Oh, cool. I, I went and bought this because on your recommendation, we were hanging out and talking that one day, and I have really been blown away, like totally blown away so for, by you. For people listening, this is the heart math inner balance sensor. We carry it on the Bulletproof store. I don't manufacture it. I'm an advisor to the company, and it clips on your ear, and it... Um, I was going to see if mine's laying around, but it's not. It um, it basically teaches you to control your stress response, be aware of your stress response, and also um, and this little like thing oh, cool. or, app or whatever. And... I didn't realize you were using that thing. Oh, cool. So it's it's helping you. Well, yeah, and so I started. I actually I made a commitment to use it. I, I do it when I wake up, 
And I do it before each meal and then I do it before bed. So, and it is awesome to go into each meal, having taken the time to like kind of talk to my bacteria and be like, hey guys, it's all cool. <laughs> well, they, they will cause a fight or flight response, a sympathetic nervous system twitch. And once you master that little application, it takes most of my clients like six weeks or something um, of 10 minutes a day. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, I feel what it's like when the light turns red. I was in the zone and then I got out of the zone. And like you can tell when your food does that to you. And it's funny you bring that up. So I, I was at, uh, at Burning Man a couple of weeks ago and I was in an RV with a, a couple other um, health celebrities were sharing it. And because, well, what I do when I get downtime, I actually love cooking. And when I'm you know, CEO and podcasting and being a dad, I don't always get that. So I'm like, all right, we're bringing the RV because it has a kitchen and because I can bring lots of grass-fed steak. And so I made these just like ridiculously good uh, meatballs, grass-fed meat with fennel seeds. And I cooked them in bacon grease because, well, we had bacon for breakfast because, hey, it's Burning Man. You have bacon all, all, all day long. It's just what you do. So these are like some of the best meatballs you could ever possibly have. And everyone's just, just loving these things. We put them in the fridge and we get them out. And one of the, the friends who's coming over to visit was like, pops a few of them in the microwave. And I'd been out on the play all day. I'm like, all right, I'll try one of the things. And I took a bite of a microwave meatball. And I was like, and so did one of the other people who can decide if she wants to talk about her microwave experience or not. Neither of us had microwave food in like 10 years. And it, it was astounding. It didn't smell good. It didn't taste good. Like it was not what a reheated meatball tastes like in my world. And I'm like, that's just gross. Like, like there's something weird going on here. But that is, is one of those things where you want to listen to your taste or sorry, listen to your smell and your sense of taste and really just realize, okay, there is a difference. And the difference was very noticeable from, from where I sat. And I didn't feel good after I ate one of them and I tossed the other ones and just ate the rest of them cold because they were really good meatballs. Nice. Yeah, that's really cool. That's such a good example of like intuition. You know, yeah, I mean, gut intuition, it's real. It's real. Like I love the story of the Japanese businessman that you know, made all of his business decisions after eating a meal. Like he would decide, he would like think about what he was the big business decision, eat a meal and see how it sat. And that was his deciding factor. And I can't I tell you how many times in my life where I've had, you know, you've all had, we've all had those moments of like, see, here's the thing that people make a mistake with gut instinct in terms of listening to your body and trusting your body and like really being on a healing path. They make the mistake to think that there's a good thing and a bad thing, that there's good food, bad yeah, food. It's not and like that. It's always good food. It's always bad food. It's not like that at all. I mean... Well, hold on. For margarine, it's pretty much true. Okay, okay, okay. Yes. But and and MSG wine, and a few others, yeah. <laughs> but for red wine, no. I mean, I did have a friend who was really sick with like diarrhea for weeks, and he drank a bottle of red wine one night. He had a huge craving for it, and it, and it like kicked it for him. You know, I mean, I'm not trying to say that's everyone's solution. It's not. He was just listening to his body in that moment. And I think that, you know, really the clearer you get and the better your gut bacteria get, the more you really can listen to that. But I mean, I've had these moments where I've had, you know, so it's not like, like I said, it's not a good or bad feeling. It's just like heightened anxiety that I'm kind of like, oh, I feel that. And, you know, I've gone into the situation anyway. And the ultimate, you know, result of that situation was this heightened anxiety that went on for weeks based on, you know, the way that events like culminated. And that same thing with food. Like I've looked in the fridge before and been like, "Mm, chocolate, I mean, of course. And, and it kind of felt like this tightness in my head been like, whatever, eat it anyway, and end up with a headache. You know, it's like your body, I'm not trying to say your body's psychic per se. I just think that you know, we're like bears. When bears go out after hibernation, they, you know, do two things. They eat OSHA root to help clear out all the bacteria. It's a major antiviral, antimicrobial. They eat OSHA root and then they go eat moths. Moths are really high in fat compared to any other food source that they have access to at that time. It, it's kind of funny. One of my favorite podcasts is with uh, Glenn Elzinga, who's a soil biologist who runs Alder Spring Farms. This is the best grass-fed beef I've had in the U.S., and I've had some pretty epic grass-fed beef. But in terms of consistency, um, he's one of my favorites. I don't know the episode number. We'll put it in the show notes. But if you just search for Bulletproof Alder Spring, you'll find it like Alder, A-L-D-E-R. And the reason that that he's really interesting is he has hundreds of, of cattle and 100 square miles where he grazes them. And he talks about how the plants in healthy soil extract 
the right nutrients and that this tuft of grass over here has different nutrients than this tuft of grass. And that when you allow the cows, these are like semi-wild cows, when you allow them to go out, they'll actually eat the tuft of grass that's best for them, the one that has exactly what they need. And we're the same way. We just lost the ability to do that. And things like the inner balance sensor that you just talked about, things like neurofeedback, things like meditation, things like taking a deep breath or just body awareness exercise, all of those can plug you back in so you can just hear the voice that says, you know, this sounds kind of ridiculous, but that chocolate bar is the right one and that one is not the right one. And it's not a rational, it's actually very scientific. And you kind of figure if you were going to evolve or design an ecosystem, whether you're an engineer or whatever else, just a set of rules for maximizing survival, you would put something in that allows any organism to choose the right fuel source that has all the things they need and to avoid the ones that aren't so good. And the idea that we somehow evolved to not have that doesn't make sense. And that's one of the reasons we have taste buds is to avoid things that aren't so good for us. And they, they work if you listen. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I'm just really, this is, the, this is the realm for me right now. It's like we can look really hard at the food and a lot of my clients do, a lot of them are nutrition nerds, I call them. And, um, you know, that's one aspect of it. But if there is this whole other piece that's really got to open up for people, uh, yeah. I have two more questions for you. Let's do it. can go. All right. All right. Um, the, the first one is, like, I, I appreciate, um, I, I'm asking guests on the show, like, this isn't uh, an infomercial or something to sell, sell things on. Like, we're, we're here to share knowledge. Um, but um, what's your URL? I know you have a, a few things where you teach people how to rebuild their gut, and, and you're, you're pretty good at it from what I can tell. Uh, I haven't done your full program, but um, you, you definitely know what you're talking about. So what's your URL? Where can people find out more about you? Sure, yeah, summerbach.com, like the deer, and gutrebuilding.com. Um, that's B-O-C-K, for those of you who don't know that brand of German beer, because I know Bach is this German composer. So summer, like the season, and Bach, B-O-C-K. Dot com. All right, cool. And the other one is the question that I ask all the guests that you might have been preparing ahead of time for, but I hope you weren't. Given all this stuff that you know, all these cool little sayings that you've saved up over the years, what are your top three most important pieces of advice for someone who wants to kick ass at everything they do? Hmm. Oh, I feel like we covered a lot of them, honestly. Yeah, but the top three? three, I want you to sort them. Sort them. Okay, the top three, how do you kick ass? Um... Number one, number one is handle your life. Like get your whole life handled from organizing your desk to like cleaning out your fridge to having, um, I'd even say, you know, if, it, if you need to having a personal assistant to help you with all the things that you stuck at, like getting your life handled. Um, the second one is clean up your relationships. And I think, um, that actually should start with your family, your immediate family. I think cleaning up your relationships with your family is an amazing way to start uh, accessing your own healing because you're not just healing yourself at that time. You're healing like, I really believe in this thing of like healing future generations and your ancestors at the same time. When you break a familial pattern that's like destructive for everybody, you, you, you save everyone from it, from that point forward and back. So the shamanic teachings, got it. Yeah, I think that one's huge and relationships. And then three, I would say surround yourself with um, people that intimidate the hell out of you because they're so freaking smart and find people that like make sure that some of those people are people that you can totally like, like that you can like do a trust fall with and like land sobbing, <laughs> you know, people who can like really you through some of the hard stuff and not flinch that's those are my three top things and awesome. not really food <laughs> that, that's a that's a beautiful list and, and thanks for sharing it and thanks for being on bulletproof radio and i know you have to go so if you need to hang out that's cool i'm going to talk for about another minute or two to to share a couple other things with people but summer thanks again for being a guest summerbach.com links to all this will be on the podcast so thanks summer yeah thank you so much dave this was great Thanks again for listening to today's episode. Thanks for listening to all the other episodes. And thanks for all you do to share this knowledge with people around you. It's pretty amazing what happens when someone in the cubicle next door or your neighbor or a family member finds something that totally gives them more control than they thought they had of their biology. And that's what this show is all about. Really, really appreciate your listenership. Have an awesome day. 
human upgrade. Formerly Bulletproof Radio was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.